I type out my thoughts, then I say them aloud to whom? Who knows? Who cares? Me so. Am I going to say them anyway? Hell yeah. Enjoy. Okay. The story I've hinted at the past few episodes is finally here. Now, where do I begin? Okay. Well, to start, I live in New York City um, with two other roommates, apartment 2B, like I've mentioned before. And so my male roommate decided to move out at the end of July. And as a result, my remaining roommate, let's call her Carrie, and I had to find a new roommate to sublease for the month of August and continue on to sign the new lease in September, the month we're in now. Um, So we ended up meeting virtually, of course, with about eight different people over the course of a few days. Some were instant no's, others were maybes, but thankfully the last person we met with was a 100% yes for both of us, Carrie and I. Let's call him James. James, James, James. All parties involved felt it was a good fit, or so we thought. During our initial meeting, James seemed open, friendly, smart, all the good traits, and in addition, had great answers to all of our roommate interview questions. Touring the apartment and his would-be room via FaceTime, he expressed it as being perfect and a good fit for him. Um, James let us know he was moving to New York from the South to pursue his master's and would be driving up once he secured a place. He had been living on his own throughout quarantine, so adjusting to living with people wouldn't be a problem, but would take some getting used to. And after our meeting, Carrie and I decided the vibes were right and would extend an offer on the room to him. He gladly accepted. We had found our person. Or so we thought. (laughs) Now, a little background on the room up for rent. Uh, The room, compared to Carrie's and I's, was on the smaller side, and as a result was a little cheaper in rent, were fair. But still, the room had two windows with great natural light, a view of the park across the street, as well as a walk-in closet in New York. Okay. <laughs> um, but And if you're not home a lot, or don't have a lot of belongings, or don't need much space, it's literally like perfect. And again, it's New York City, so your expectations when it comes to space should be practical. Okay. Now here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> It's now the start of August, August 1st to be exact. The room's rent has been paid in full by James. James has arrived and James begins to move in. As he moved in, I welcomed him to the space and though his disposition was a little off, I thought nothing of it. Offering my assistance if needed and availability for questions or concerns, you know, being a good new roommate. (laughs) Um, And James would be in charge of setting up our new Wi-Fi since that's what my old roommate managed and he didn't seem to mind and placed an order for the new router, which would arrive in two days. James then asked about turning on the air condition and to his surprise, I had to explain to him that he would have to buy a window AC unit. Now, on this, I understood his confusion because, similar to me, I didn't know central AC was not a commonality of most living spaces, um, being from the suburbs of Maryland. But I learned and got with the program and purchased one, and so I recommended him to do the same, offered up some places where he could go to buy one, all that stuff. So uh, we had a roommate meeting that evening to get acquainted, go over apartment rules, etc. Carrie took the lead, offered James a glass of wine, very hospitable, and again, James' disposition seemed different from the one we had met over Zoom a few weeks prior. 
Um, we noticed James hadn't had a mattress delivered yet, so Carrie's um, offered her spare air mattress, and I offered my floor fan because he didn't have an air conditioner either yet. Um, because, and yeah, that's that's what nice roommates do. You know, we want to make you feel welcome. He accepted the fan, but not the mattress. We thought nothing of it, and the meeting came to a close. Now, the next few days carried on, nothing out of the ordinary, the usual for Carrie and I, and we could only assume James was now getting acquainted to the neighborhood and city, seeing him every so often. Okay. <laughs> it's the morning of August 4th. Now, there was a nasty storm the night before and into the early morning. That should have been a sign. Cha. <laughs> Making breakfast, I noticed that the few things James had in the fridge were gone. I didn't think much of it, I just figured he had eaten it the night before, or whatever. And an hour or so later, the new Wi-Fi had arrived, and it being addressed to James, I figured it best to ask first before I opened it to set it up. I texted James in our group chat to no reply. I took that as a yes because I needed my Wi-Fi. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't open it if it was anything else, but I knew it was the Wi-Fi, and yeah, you know, I'm not opening up people's packages. That's not the type of roommate I am, okay? <laughs> uh, but as I set up the Wi-Fi, my roommate Carrie is in the kitchen cooking. Still no word or sight of James. I finished setting up the Wi-Fi and called the provider to activate the service, and to my and the representative's confusion, the internet service had been canceled the night before. That's right, canceled. <laughs> the representative let me know it looked like someone, that someone being James, called to cancel the plan yesterday. Now I thought to myself, why would he do that? Then it came to me. A realization of the only conclusion that could be made. Speaking to Carrie, I uttered, I think he moved out. To her confusion, I repeated, I think he moved out. The Wi-Fi was canceled yesterday and his stuff isn't in the fridge. We both looked at each other for a moment and then decided to check to see if he was in his room. I took the lead on this. I knocked. James. No response. Knocking a little louder. James. No response. Hopefully he wasn't in there sleeping or I would be waking him up and it would be embarrassing, but we, we needed to figure out what was going on. Third time. Knocking. James. No response. At this point, I said, F it, and I opened the door. Um, peering through the crack at first, I saw it. My floor fan. I loaned James, looking right at me. <laughs> then I took in the rest of the room, and the room was empty. Cleared out. As if no one had been there the night before. I was, I was shook. <laughs> Carrie peering in over my shoulder. We both had a look of confusion and surprise on our face. James would never be seen or heard from again. It took us the rest of the day to put the pieces together, but the conclusion we came to was this. James had moved out the night before in the dead of night. Carrie and I were both awake up until around 2am, so if James had wanted to move out and or escape without being caught, he would have to had waited till around 3 or 4 in the morning. So that's what he did. Now, Carrie and I had both admitted to hearing noises throughout the night, but we figured it was one of us going to the bathroom or in the kitchen. But in reality, it was James trying to pull off his midnight escape from apartment 2B. Now, why James felt the need to move out in this way, we have no clue. Neither of us, Carrie or I, present as being threatening or intimidating, nor did we think we gave that impression over the few days of knowing him. 
In addition, the man had already paid a full month's rent and made no attempt to recover some of that money at all. Being the nice people that we are, if he did in fact want to move out for whatever reason, not liking the room, needing a central AC unit, not liking the apartment, hell, even if he didn't like us. <laughs> if he had let us know, we would have allowed him to stay for the month until he found a new place and then just find a new person for September. And the most annoying part was that, I guess in his hurry to evade capture from us, <laughs> he took the apartment keys with him and would not respond to messages to get it back. Carrie was fearful he would return since he had the key, and though I didn't think he would do this due to his clear desire to avoid us at any cost, granted, at this point I couldn't put it past him, we had to go a few nights barricading the door, hoping that he wouldn't return, and also go through the process of changing the locks and unnecessary hassle, and begin the roommate search again reaching back out to people that we had previously said no to before, but they most of them had already like found other accommodations, so we were like, great. <sighs> Thankfully, we found a new roommate who has been the perfect fit and a breath of fresh air to Mr. James. Now, in addition to such an odd experience, James had left us questioning if we were good judgments of people's character, because we truly, truly thought the vibes were right, but boy, were we wrong. Towards the start of September, we received a knock on the door. My roommate, Carrie, answered to find no one was there. She looked down and saw a familiar pair of keys lying on the ground in front of her. After showing me the keys, slightly weirded out, we laughed, <laughs> and that was the last we spoke of James, never to be thought of again. Thankfully, real thankful, <laughs> and hopefully, this will be my first and last New York City roommate horror story. So the story I'm about to tell you now happened to me a few months ago and I'm gonna retell it now, of course it's my dramatic spin, so enjoy. It is a little spooky. <laughs> I live on the second floor of a five-story apartment here in New York City, apartment 2B. You walk up a flight of stairs and boom, there's my apartment door. Anyone who moves past the lobby walks past my door. Now, on this evening, I had decided to go to bed early and fell asleep around 9pm. But to no surprise, I woke up around 3am because my body hates me. My roommates are asleep and all is well. Or so I thought. I get up to go to the bathroom. My living room, dark. My kitchen, quiet my bathroom across the way. I see a sliver of light in the distance, but I think nothing of it and proceed to the bathroom. Upon exiting, I make my way back to my bedroom, but first I decide, like I usually do, to check to make sure everything is as it should be. I turn around and look at my apartment door and see that it is unlocked. Now realizing this is where the light was coming from moments before, I approach the door and now only noticed the door was unlocked, but it was ajar. I slam the door shut and lock it and look around my apartment now paranoid that I may have an unwanted visitor in my midst. I see what I think is a shadow in my kitchen and panic sets in. I move towards the kitchen in fear of what or who I may find to find no one there. I then turn from the kitchen and I look up to see 
Stay tuned to the end of the episode to see how this story concludes. Okay, so where I left off with my Halloween woes in part one was pretty much just, you know, no costumes, no party in elementary school and all that stuff. So yes, a struggle. Okay, now, it was the same story in middle school and into high school. My care for the holiday kind of waned over the years, but I did start to push back a bit more in high school. Now that I could articulate my thoughts more as to why I should be able to, at the very least, go trick-or-treating with friends, even without a costume. And, oh no. (laughs) Y'all, I tried, but I was a fool to think me being a teenager granted me some authority on this matter. Um, Every year when it came to neighborhood trick-or-treating, I had the pleasure... The pleasure and the honor for my household of creating our annual no candy sign and taping it to our door, locking our screen door, drawing the curtains, and embarrassingly waiting for the sounds of the neighborhood kids' disappointment and laughter. All my friends knew, they knew, like they they did this on purpose. They knew my house was not passing out any candy, but they still came. I don't know why, honestly. But the times I did open the door, they would urge me to come along with them. And usually failing at this, they gave me some of their candy before moving on. But okay, this is a funny story. This I remember in my memory because it, yeah, it was it was something. Okay, so I do remember there was one Halloween when my parents decided to leave the house for something. I don't remember what, but it was it would be like at least an hour. So my siblings and I, along with some friends who decided to keep us company in our misery, decided to leave the house and just try to get some candy from a few houses and then return home before my parents returned. But I think we got carried away because what started off with just like our neighbor's houses and the houses on our street turned into the houses a few more doors down, then up the hill a little bit, then a little bit further. Next thing you know, our 10 minute like quick escapade had turned into at least 45. Thankfully, as we rounded the corner back to uh, my house, our parents had not returned yet. So we like gleefully climbed the steps, approaching my door and our uh, mission well done. In that moment... As he climbed our steps, about to open our door. My life (laughs) flashed before my eyes as I saw my parents' car turn the corner, their lights catching us like a deer in the headlights. We fumbled to open that door, tumbled in, tripping over each other, and shut that door so quick. And then hiding our candy and trying our best to like appear normal as our parents opened the door. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it was a lot. Um, but we greeted them like over enthusiastically, and I think they knew, but they were too tired or didn't care or something because they didn't really say anything or say much. So in my book, uh, they were none the wiser to our little scheme. <laughs> um, but I think that early start to like my non-participation in Halloween probably has some part to play in why to this day I have never like dressed up in costume for the holiday. Um, I've thought about it at times, but it's never like really like come into fruition. Even going into college, I imagined the college Halloween party with the roommates and friends and all that stuff. My freshman year, I did have the chance. Literally, my roommates decided to host a party in our apartment. Um, but if, unfortunately for me, I was out of commission at the time for like medical reasons, so I wasn't there. <laughs> and yeah, the rest of college, the rest of my college years that followed, like, I don't know, I, Halloween just came and went. I think most of the time I would just end up working once I got a job because the, the desire for money and savings outgrew my need to dress up and, you know, partake. But I'm so young, so there's still time for me to dress up and have fun and enjoy Halloween. Just not this year because, well, 
You know why? This year has been more of a trick than a treat. So where do I even begin with this one? I've only ever told a few people this story, but a part of growth is reflection. So there's no better place for me to reflect than here at Thoughts Aloud. (laughs) Um, It happened nearly four years ago, so all the details aren't exactly clear. But this is my story of how I got scammed out of $200. So I was in my sophomore year of college and I had gone home for the weekend and I had to run some errands. So borrowing my sister's car, I decided to stop at the nearby Sardi's for some um, lunch. Sardi's is a Peruvian restaurant that serves some delicious chicken. (laughs) Anyways, I park and as I walk towards the Sardi's entrance, I see an older gentleman. Uh, Let's call him Samson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Asking people for help with something. I think nothing of it or him and walk in to get my chicken. I come back out and make eye contact with Samson foolishly. Samson sees this as a sign to approach and begins to ask for help. Apparently, his car had broken down on the road and he needed some help getting to an auto store to get a car part to fix it. Mm -hmm. Now, again, Samson looked as normal as normal can be. Not that that should matter when helping someone, but... There was nothing about him that looked deceitful or dangerous. He could have been a neighbor, a friend's dad, Baptist church pastor, who knows. Anyways, so basically what he wanted from me was simply a ride down to a local mechanic who would have the car part he needed. Why couldn't he walk? Why was he asking for help outside of a Sardis? How did he get from his car all the way to the Sardis? All questions I wasn't asking myself in the moment because Samson just seemed like a nice guy that needed some help. Though a little skeptical at first, I saw this as my good deed for the year, so I agreed to help um, Samson. Uh, Samson was so appreciative. As we walked to my car, he went on and on about how people were so cold and unkind these days and how I was the first person to acknowledge him and he was so grateful and all this stuff. On and on he went. Anyway, we began to drive what was supposed to be right down the road to the auto store, which I had seen a few in the area, so that wasn't unbelievable. Samson starts a conversation about if I have a job, where I go to school, what I'm studying, if I'm religious, what church I belong to. Samson was pulling out all the stops to keep me at ease. I think to myself, oh, he's asking about church, a holy man. He wouldn't lead me astray. Mm -hmm. So we finally get to the gas station, the mechanic place, whatever. And he's just sitting in my passenger seat quietly for a moment. Now, in my head, I'm like, this is your stop. Like, get the fuck out. (laughs) And here Samson goes. This is what he says to me. All right, here he goes. Kofi, you've already helped me out so much. And I'm so embarrassed as like a grown man asking you to help me anymore. But the car part that I need is $250. And I only have $50 on me. And I just realized I left my wallet in my car. That's what he said. (laughs) I was in too deep. I told him I didn't have cash on me and he went on to ask me to wait here and see so he could see if there was an ATM inside. I let this man get out of the car, go inside the gas station and wait for him to come back and confirm there was indeed an ATM. Why in that moment when he was gone did I not drive off? In the moment, again, he had 
done such a good job of boosting my ego, of, of making me feel like being a good and kind person and all that stuff, and ease my worries of his conniving, thieving true nature with his appearance of helplessness and personality of kindness. Like he had done the work, okay? That, that's one thing I can give him. He did the work. So he even went as far to ask me to write down my number so he could call me once he got back to his car and we could set up a time to meet later on that day so he could repay me the money that I lent him. How nice of him. Samson's like so thoughtful. Thank you, Samson. Good for you. <laughs> With that reassurance, I went in. I took my hard earned money out, slaving at my restaurant job, and gave it to Samson. Samson, again, so appreciative and grateful, thanked me, assuring me he would call me later that day to meet. With my number and cash in his hand, I got into my car, the smell of my now lukewarm sardis in the back seat, and began my drive home. He never called. Now, how many red flags did you guys hear while listening to this? Because I caught most of them after the fact, more so once I realized I was never getting a call and I was never getting my $200 back. There's just so many things about the whole thing looking back that just does not make sense. Like, where was his phone? Again, how did he get to the Sardis from his broken down car on the highway? Why did he take my number and I didn't take his? Well, that one's more on me, but still, I'm the victim here. Uh, was there even a car in the first place? What type of grown man cons a 19-year-old college student out of money? Samson, Samson does, okay? Samson, it's, Samson does that. So, so many other things. Like, what else can you guys think of? Because needless to say, anytime I go back to that Sardis, I'm always on the lookout for Samson scamming ass. <sighs> okay, let me. This is four years ago. I already let it go. Let me just calm down. Okay. Anyways, like most situations, when they happen to me, especially when they're fucked up, I just have to laugh and humor myself. Like, but first I was grateful because it never became a dangerous situation. Like that wasn't even in my mind, the entire interaction that Samson literally could have done anything violent to me sitting right next to me in my car, a complete stranger. So I'm appreciative it didn't take a bad turn in that sense. But yeah, again, I just had to laugh about it. Maybe not right away. It took a little bit of time for me to get over seeing the minus $200 in my bank account. But eventually I did get over it because for him to go through all that as a grown man, he clearly needed the money more than me. Was the way he went about getting it absolutely shitty? 100% yes. Could I make this $200 back in one shift at my job? Also yes. Would I ever trust or be as open as I was with helping those in need? especially strangers ever again? Sadly, no. Welcome to the Thoughts Aloud First Annual Holiday Spectacular. <laughs> I'm your host, Kofi, and this episode is filled with everything holiday season. So wherever you're listening from, get comfy, relax, get a cup of hot cocoa, and enjoy the show. I started this podcast this year around my birthday in September, just as a fun hobby to keep me busy and you kind of like a time capsule of sorts of all my thoughts and it's become so much more. And for that, I want to thank each and every one of you who take the time to listen, reach out and give your thoughts, 
sing my theme song. Um, and overall, just tell me how much you enjoy the show. It really does mean a lot. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm wishing everyone a happy holidays and a happy new year. I can't wait to start back up in 2021 better than ever. But till then, be well, be blessed. And thank you again for listening to Thoughts Aloud. <laughs>